We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I am Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter. Or do we have to call it X now? What are we doing? Elon, but you can find me at Trevor underscore lane over on that social platform, whatever we're calling it at this point uh, at Trevor lane, NBA over on Instagram and threads. Of course, make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers nation YouTube channel and follow us over on Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. We definitely appreciate a five-star rating and review over on Apple podcast. Great way to help out the show. If you're watching the YouTube version right now, do me a favor, smash that like button and help get this show out there further and faster. But lots to talk about today. We need to get into the center position a bit more. A, another target that the Lakers had off the board while they are in a holding pattern waiting for one particular player. We'll talk a bit about that. We'll talk about Cam Whitmore and if the Lakers made a mistake passing on him. We'll also get into uh, Rui Hachimura. And I'm going to close out the show talking a bit about me and not to not to put to put myself in the spotlight too much here or anything like that but uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of how this all came about this show how I came into this role how all of this happened some of you already know the story if you've been following the show from for a long time now uh, but I realize it's kind of been a while and I get asked a lot you know how did the Lakers Nation podcast come about how did you get involved with this and uh, so I thought I would tell that story at the end of the show. So again, putting it at the end, because some of you may already know the story. And if you do, well, then you can just skip it or you can listen again up to you. But let's get into it. So first and foremost, the Lakers reportedly had interest in Nerland's Noel. They were one of several teams that was interested in signing him. Ultimately, he did sign with the Sacramento Kings. But we know, looking at the Lakers depth chart, that they need another center. There's no question. It's just Anthony Davis and Jackson Hayes. And if the Lakers are to be believed, Rob Palenka at Summer League talked about how he wants to see Anthony Davis and Jackson Hayes playing side by side. Now, I don't think... Sometimes we look at what a team does and what a team says, and those can be two different things. The actions don't back up the words. And that's where we're at right now with the Lakers in the center position. Rob Palenka is saying we want Anthony Davis to play alongside Jackson Hayes. I think that is a credible possibility, right? It's not insane to think the two could play next to each other, particularly if AD could in some way find his three-point shooting stroke. But Jackson Hayes can defend a little bit on the perimeter. It can be a little bit switchy there. He's still a big, 
but can switch out probably a little better than most bigs can on the perimeter. Anthony Davis certainly can. It's one of the things that he's very, very talented at. It's defending multiple positions. So there is some synergy there. But then what else do you do with the big position? What else do you do at center if Anthony Davis is spending some of his time at power forward with Jackson Hayes at the five or four nominally, whatever we want to call Jackson Hayes in that situation. If you have the two playing side by side, can you really get away with just having those two guys as center? Because once you get past those two, who's your third string center right now? I guess it's Rui Hachimura who we're going to talk about later in the show. And he's not, that's not what you want to go to on a consistent basis. Rui is 6'8", 230, which look, he's a, he's a big dude, but he's not a rim protector per se. He's a he's a 3-4. Emphasis more on the four than the three, but he's not a center. So the Lakers clearly need another big. They need another big, especially, especially if we're going to buy Rob Palenka saying that he wants the two to play side by side. Now, there have been questions about, is that just, you know, him putting it out there for Christian Wood to hear that, hey, you're not just competing for the backup minutes behind AD. You could also get minutes playing with AD. Maybe that's the case. Is he also putting that out there for Anthony Davis to hear, who for a long time has not wanted to play the center position, has wanted to go back to playing power forward, has wanted to play next to another big, at least the way he did with JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard in the championship 2019-2020 season. So maybe also putting that out there for Anthony Davis, that, hey, we envision you playing next to another big, just like you want, AD. Now let's talk about that contract extension on August 4th. Um, there there could be that element to it as well. Let's let AD hear what he wants to hear. He's got to sign a contract extension in just a few weeks here, or we'll have the opportunity to do so in a few weeks. By the way, if it doesn't happen August 4th, which is the first day it can, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It can take time to negotiate these things, particularly in the summer. Guys go on vacation and stuff. It's not necessarily a rush to get this done. So don't panic if a contract extension for Anthony Davis doesn't happen on August 4th. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time. That's just the first day that he is eligible to sign that extension. But when we look at the Lakers, we look at this roster, it's very clear they need another big, especially if they do intend to go ahead with that plan to play Anthony Davis and Jackson Hayes next to each other. How many minutes are you realistically going to play Jackson Hayes during a game? And if AD is soaking up some of his minutes at power forward, well, that's just more minutes that you need available at the center position. And I don't know if Jackson Hayes can absorb all of those. For example, if Anthony Davis is going to play 35 minutes a night, let's say, and he's going to play, I don't know, 20 of those minutes at center and 15 minutes at power forward. Well, that's another 28 minutes you need filled at the center position. Are you going to play Jackson Hayes 28 minutes per game? I don't know that he's a 28-minute-per-game player, especially when we look at the domino effect down the rotation, right? If Anthony Davis is chewing up a lot of the minutes at power forward, which is kind of what Rob Palenka is talking about, what does that mean for Rui Hachimura, who the Lakers just signed, is making $17 million? What does that mean for Jared Vanderbilt? What does that mean for Cam Reddish, for Torian Prince, for LeBron, LeBron James? That guy kind of needs minutes. You've got a lot, a lot of wings right now on this Lakers roster, which is great. I've been asking for this for years. And finally, the Lakers have wing depth. They've got a lot of guys that can play the three, a lot of guys that can play the four, but because they now have this depth on the wing, I think that takes away from the minutes that are available at the power forward position unless you've got a really, really good other option at center that can actually take away some of those minutes from 
Torian Prince, from Rui, from guys like that. I don't know if Jackson Hayes is that or not. I think he'll get an opportunity to prove it, but the bottom line is the Lakers need another big. They absolutely need another center on this roster. They went after Nerlens Noel, and or at least were interested in him, and didn't get him. And Lakers fans are you know, getting a little bit con concerned at this point, right? It's clear they need a center. So what are you doing? You don't get Nerlens Noel. You miss on the big-time targets. You miss on Mason Plumlee, right? You're not going to get these guys to play for, for less money. So what are you doing right now? I understand the concern, but it actually makes some sense what they're doing. It actually makes some sense because there's one guy out there that I think is above the rest, and that's it. Look, there's no – we've talked about it a bunch at this point, but it's Christian Wood. Christian Wood, and you can argue he's not a center, and – I think it's a fair argument. I think he's more of a four than a five. But in terms of bigs, he's the best one out there. He's the best one. In terms of bigs, he's the only one out there that could credibly come into a game and give you 20 and 10 right now. He could do that, right? In a pinch, if AD was out, Christian Wood could step in and give you 20 and 10. Now, there's a lot of other drawbacks that come with him, right? Defensively, oh boy, those numbers do not look good. But he can give you floor spacing. He can give you offensive punch whether it's off the bench, whether it's starting next to AD, he can do those things for you. And I think that waiting for him, given the lack of quality out there on the market, makes sense. For example, if you're the Lakers and you say, oh man, we missed out on Nerland's Noel. Okay. So be it, right? There, there's not, I, I like Nerland's Noel just fine, but, and the market is very, very thin, but there's other guys you could turn to where you could say, well, there's a chance that this guy's just as good as Nerlens Noel anyway, when we're talking about a veteran minimum. Could they even wind up just going back to Wenyan Gabriel? Could it be Tristan Thompson they go back to? At some point, they're going to have to pull the trigger. But in the meantime, is there a big enough drop-off between Nerlens Noel and Tristan Thompson? Between Nerlens Noel and Wenyan Gabriel, Nerlens Noel and Bismack Biombo, and whoever else is out there on the market, is there a big enough drop-off between Nerlens and those guys to where you say, well, no, we better lock up Nerlens right now and just punt on the idea of getting Christian Wood? No, no, there's not. So while Christian Wood is out there, you might as well wait. You might as well preserve the opportunity to land the guy that's out there on the market right now. Now, again, there's other things that go along with signing Christian Wood, and there's question marks about whether or not the Lakers should even do it from a chemistry standpoint, but purely from a talent perspective, he's the best. He's the best out there right now, and if you can get him for a veteran minimum, you by all means want to preserve your opportunity to do so. So waiting right now, as frustrating as it can be, here we are, July 24th, they still don't have a third center on this roster, and that starts to get a little bit concerning, but it also makes sense. I believe that should we see Christian Wood sign somewhere else, I think we would very quickly hear the Lakers come to terms with player X, whoever it is, right, that they're going to sign to man that center position, but it's going to take a decision coming from Christian Wood in order to get there. That's what I think is ultimately going to happen here. So their interest in Nerlens Noel, they don't land them. Okay, they'll continue to stay in this holding pattern and wait because the money's dried up. I don't think Christian Wood, look, the Chicago Bulls technically have a 10 million plus uh, disabled player exception they can use uh, from Lonzo. Man, I hope Lonzo gets healthy, but they can use that. I don't think they want to go into the luxury tax in order to sign Christian Wood, though. So 
that they only have a few million dollars below the, the tax right now uh, to spend. So they can free up a little bit more. Maybe that's something they look to do. I get why Christian Wood wouldn't want to sign a minimum contract, but I've talked about it. I think he needs the Lakers. I think he needs the Lakers. He may not want to do it for a veteran minimum, but that may wind up being the best thing for his career if he can find success with the Lakers, if he can get his game back on track. That could mean big money down the line for him if he can disprove all of these thoughts that are out there about him currently in terms of his work ethic, in terms of his defense, all of that. We'll see if this waiting game pays off for the Lakers or not. We'll find out. To get him, be a nice addition. Be a nice addition, and then at a minimum, you have very little risk. If it doesn't work, you part ways, you move on, you go sign somebody else. All right, let's talk about the Cam Whitmore situation. So uh, Cam Whitmore and Jalen Hutzkefino, I still see this out there. Still, like Summer League was a few weeks ago. I guess it ended a week ago now. But Summer League is over, and I still see people that are saying, well, the Lakers blew it. The Lakers blew it. Why didn't they just take Cam Whitmore? Summer League MVP. No reason for them not to take him. So I think it, it comes down to this, and this is kind of what we're hearing behind the scenes out there. It's that indeed there were medical concerns and that was why Cam Whitmore ultimately got, got flagged, right? Got, um, got passed up on when it would be one thing. If let's say the Lakers had the seventh pick and Cam Whitmore was clearly on everybody's boards, the fourth pick, say the fourth pick and he slid and he's sitting there at seven and then the Lakers don't take him and he gets selected at eight right? Like that, that would be one thing where you could say, oh my goodness, what happened? Did the Lakers just not expect him to be there? And then next thing you know, so you, he's there on the board and you panic because you weren't expecting him to be there. So you didn't do your research on him the way that you thought that you would like Bo, Bo Callahan in that wonderful, terrible movie draft day. Um, I don't think that's what happened here, right? That's, I don't think that's what happened. Look, at one point, Cam Whitmore was mocked at five. He was mocked at five. And so when the Lakers at 17 take Jalen Hutzkefino, and then the Miami Heat, the Golden State Warriors, they pass on Cam Whitmore as well after the Lakers. I think there's we have to factor that in. We have to remember people could say, well, the Lakers, why did the Lakers blow it? Did the Lakers really blow it? Look at how many teams passed on him. Look at how many teams could credibly say, yes, this guy would be a good fit for us and didn't take him. Didn't take him. We've talked about this before. There's this kind of concept that's out there that when, when one team does something, one team, one specific franchise can very well do something dumb, right? One team can do something very dumb. The entire league, though, more often than not, tends to get it right. Now, sometimes they do get it wrong, right? Sometimes they get it wrong. Sometimes there's issues with the player and the league overreacts and the player winds up being just fine, right? Sometimes the league believes a guy is going to be great and multiple teams are bidding for somebody's services in the free agent market and are willing to spend untold millions of dollars to get a player. And then it turns out that the guy doesn't have a great work ethic and he's just kind of a bust. And the team that winds up getting him and they were celebrating to have, to have won the, the sweepstakes uh, winds up regretting it. Sometimes we see stuff like that happen. But more often than not, when the entire league 
makes a decision on something, has a certain evaluation of a player, they tend to get it right. And so that's what I keep falling back on because, yeah, you, you say, man, what an opportunity. This guy was supposed to be the fifth pick in this draft, and he fell all the way. You could have got him at 17. What a bargain to get this guy at 17. I get it, that sentiment, but I don't think when you see so many teams passing on him that we can just dismiss that. Now, I know Cam's going to come out and say, oh, my medicals are fine. And that's, look, he can say what he wants, right? But clearly, it wasn't just the Lakers doctors who said, yeah, something's not right here. Clearly. Because otherwise, he would have gotten drafted. Otherwise, he's getting picked at 10. He's getting picked at 11, right? At worst, 12, 13, 14, 15. All these teams passing. Clearly, teams were scared off by something. So I don't think this is just a situation of the Lakers being dumb. And by the way, I hope that I hope that ultimately we regret this pick. And I say that because I hope that there is nothing wrong long-term with Cam Whitmore. It, sometimes you can look at a player and you can just say, well, you know what? The way his knee looks, the way the cartilage is, he's at a higher risk for injury. That doesn't mean the injury is going to come. You can just say he's at a higher risk. I hope it doesn't. I hope he winds up great and he has a wonderful long NBA career because I never want to root for injury or anything like that. I just think in terms of risk analysis, clearly there was something there that scared off teams. What that was specifically, I don't know, but that's what's out there, that it was a medical issue. And if that's the case a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, whatever it is, the Lakers maybe we may be looking back saying, wow, okay, yeah, the Lakers made the correct decision. This guy's super talented. But if he's not going to be able to stay healthy, and I hope he can, I hope he can. But if the injury risk was simply too high, then the Lakers probably made the right decision in getting a guy in Jalen Hutzkefino, who is still extremely talented. He wasn't my pick. I told you guys that before. Before the draft, I did a video all about how I didn't think Jalen Hutzkefino was the best fit. But clearly, the Lakers saw something in him they liked. His size, his physicality at the guard position is interesting. And it's still very much within the realm of possibilities, summer league MVP or not, that the Lakers made the correct decision here. So I just see a lot of people that are willing to completely lose their minds over Cam Whitmore and, and not taking him and taking Jalen Hood-Scafino instead and making summer league the end-all be-all in terms of talent evaluation. And I don't think we've got all the information we need to understand fully why the Lakers made the decision that they did. But... Take some solace in knowing they were not the only team. They were not the only team to do that. Clearly, there's a reason why the Lakers passed on Cam Whitmore, and there's a reason why a lot of other teams did too. Again, when a lot of teams have a certain evaluation on a player, they tend to be right. One team can do something dumb. A lot of teams tend to be right. We'll see. Again, I hope they're wrong. I hope Cam Whitmore has a long, healthy career. But clearly something was going on there. And so that's what um, I think we need to consider when we're looking at this whole situation. And people are getting frustrated and saying, oh, you could have taken this guy. Yeah, they could have. But I also trust that there's a reason why they didn't. All right. Rui Hachimura. Let's talk about him real quick. Um, for my title here, I put, for those of you listening to the podcast version, you can't see it. I put Rui Hachimura lower expectations. And that by no means is me saying, I don't like Rui Hachimura. Right? Uh, don't 
don't hear what I'm what I'm not saying there. I'm not saying Rui Hachimura is bad. Rui Hachimura is not a guy to be excited about. He absolutely is. I think the Lakers made the right decision in going and uh, and re-signing him. I think he's a great fit. Again, I've been I've been been beating that drum for years that the Lakers need wing depth. That you can't have enough wing depth in today's NBA. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's finally here. They finally have it. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. They've got all the winged up now. They've got Torian Prince. They've got Cam Reddish. They've got Rui. They've got LeBron. They even drafted Max Lewis, right? Vando. They've got all these guys that you can use on the wing. Exciting stuff. But Rui, I'm not saying Rui is not a good signing. I think he was a, he was a good signing. 6'8", 7'2", 7'3"-ish wingspan. Can defend multiple positions. I thought defensively he made some real strides with the Lakers last year. My issue is this. People assume, and I have Rui slotted in my starting lineup. So again, I'm not saying he's not good. But my issue is he was so good in the postseason that it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't sustainable, what he was, the numbers that he was putting up in the postseason this last year. I mean, he shot like 50% from three, Rui did. And so when you look at numbers that are that, are that strong, He's that good shooting the ball. We know that's just, that's not what he is. He's not that efficient of a shooter. I think he can be an efficient shooter. His mid-range game, in particular, while it's a little bit of a, you know, a throwback, is really good. But in 16 games in the playoffs, Rui averaged 56% from the field and 49% from three. I, That's just not sustainable. It's not. He's not going to continue scoring with that level of efficiency. Now, again, I'm not saying that means this was a bad signing by any means at all. Um, he only gave you three and a half rebounds per game in the postseason. I think he can up his contributions there. He's just not always going to be that incredibly efficient scorer that we saw in the postseason. Look, for the regular season, he shot 49% from the field and just 30% from three for the Lakers in 33 games. Now, I would like to see that three-point percentage come up, of course. He's a career 35% three-point shooter, and that's really all you need out of him. Just get to 35%, and you feel good there. So you do need to see an uptick from that 30%, and I'm rounding up to get there, 29.6% from three with the Lakers in the regular season. He stepped it up big time in the postseason, but I think he can, he can do more work on the boards. 
He can give you more impact there. His switchability on the defensive end between the three, the four, and the five, that's important. Again, the guy is 6'8", 230. He's strong enough to, in a pinch, defend an opposing center. Not something you want him doing all the time. So I like this signing a lot. Just keep in mind, if you were expecting Rui to go out there and give you 15 and 8 every single night on great percentages, that's not really what he's shown that he is over the course of his career, particularly with the three-point shooting. So I think some of what we saw in the playoffs was an outlier, was, was small sample size. Now, okay, great. He stepped it up when the Lakers needed it the most, right? Wouldn't that be great if to everybody was this insane playoff performer? That would be fantastic. And that's a real skill to have. But I think if you're expecting that out of Rui, you're going to wind up a, a bit frustrated. I think we're going to see some games where he's two for seven from three or one for five from three and, and things like that where are going to crop up where he's not shooting the ball at that same level because the level that he was shooting at in the playoffs, it's just not sustainable. It's not. So we need to shift our view of what a successful season is from Rui. If you're expecting to see playoff Rui all season long, you're going to be disappointed because he's not going to shoot that well all season long. It's just not going to happen. If he does, he's one of the best shooters in the league by far. And if, I hope that happens. That would be amazing. But it's extremely unlikely. So rather than focus entirely on Rui's percentages, focus on the other things that he can do. What can he do as a help side defender? Can he help protect the rim? We saw that step up a bit in the playoffs, his help side defense. What can he do on the glass? What can he do defensively? What are the other things that he can bring aside from just, you know, the one dribble in pull up that he can shoot the three wasn't a great finisher at the rim last season. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. Um, can he get better there? In fact, just in the, at the power forward position, he was in ranked in the 39th percentile in finishing at the rim. So can he get a little better there? Can he do, do a better job on that? The corner three, he ranked in the eighth percentile among power forwards last season at the corner three, the 13th percentile when playing small forward last season, according to, to cleaning the glass. So can he get a little bit of an uptick on the corner three, even if his overall three-point percentage isn't going to be nearly 50% from deep anymore? So when we look at Rui, be excited for him. Be excited for the versatility that he can give you, for the diversity that he can provide to the Lakers' rotation, that he can give you the ability to go bigger with Rui at the three. You can go smaller with Rui at the four, even Rui at the five, maybe. He gives you a lot of optionality across the roster, and I'm really excited for him. But just pump the brakes a little bit when we're looking at his scoring numbers and his shooting percentages. I think we have to define success a little bit differently during the regular season for Rui because if you're expecting him to be that just flamethrower that he was during the playoffs, most likely you're setting yourself up for disappointment. All right. Story time. Story time. Let's talk a little bit about how the Lakers Nation podcast came about, how this all happened, how I got into this role. Because I get a, a lot of people asking, and again, if you already heard this story, then um, then have a great day. But, but... I get a lot of people asking, how do I do this? How do I get into this? Um, and, and you know what? I, I feel extremely fortunate to do what I do. And I, I've said that to a lot of people. I, I get to talk about sports and the Lakers for a living, right? I mean, this is what I do. And 
And that is absolutely amazing. And I try not to forget how incredible that is and how, how fortunate I am to get to do this because there are a lot of people that would love to, to do this. Um, so how this all came about, how I got involved in this. So a lot of you know, I was a, a teacher. I was a classroom teacher for 13 years. I, I taught history and uh, at the junior high level, taught eighth grade specifically, U.S. history. And who knows, maybe I should do a, like a history channel or something of you know weird history facts or something like that because I could totally do it. Um, but I taught eighth grade U.S. history for 13 years. And I also knew though that as a teacher, I was a teacher, I was a coach, I was on campus. I coached all season long. So I was on campus all day, basically. I'd be there from you know, 7 a.m. till 6, 7 at night most days because I'd be coaching after school and doing all that. But I still knew, even with how busy my schedule was, that I wanted to um, do something else too, that I needed a creative outlet. And writing was something that was always interesting to me, something I always enjoyed doing. And uh, so I tried writing a couple of novels uh, and I had some, you know, these great ideas and I would get into it. And the problem I kept running into was that I could never focus on character development and all that kind of stuff that you need in order to write a novel because I was getting distracted. And what I was getting distracted by was basketball, was, was sports, specifically the Lakers, getting into all the different Lakers rumors and learning about the cap and all that kind of stuff. And that's what I'm doing just kind of in my free time. And it dawned on me, you know, you gotta, if you're going to write something, you got to write what you love. And what I loved was, was basketball, was basketball rumors. And I actually, I had done some sports writing in college. And uh, in fact, I, I, my first sports writing I did was on pro wrestling. Ironic that now I'm buddies with Chris Masters and Scorpio Sky and all these, that just kind of happened. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I originally started writing pro wrestling way back when and kind of fell out of that eventually and, and moved on to some other stuff. I actually wrote fantasy basketball for NBA.com for a season. Um, that happened uh, again, long, long time ago. Like I remember talking about Gilbert Arenas being a top five pick. Like that's how long ago it was. But I kind of fell out of that as I got into teaching and I realized, you know what? I need to go back to, to writing sports because this is what I'm doing anyway. You have to write what, what it is that you love. And that I think is a, is a big picture key for me when I'm looking at what is it you want to do? See, growing up, you know, my, my dad, he worked a, a job that uh, he hated. And my dad is this incredibly, incredibly talented person. He's the most, probably the most talented person I know. He can do, he can build anything. And I do not, I did not inherit that, that trait. I am terrible when it comes to handiwork, but he's phenomenal. He can build anything. He can fix anything. Um, incredibly talented musician as well. He can, he can play anything on the guitar. And, and he's the, just this, this incredibly creative person. And he was doing a job that was the family business at the time in, in property management, commercial property management management. So he's leasing out buildings, right? The, his passion, his skill set, it didn't fit with what he was doing, but you had to, you, you've got to make a living. You don't always get to do what it is that you enjoy doing. But so growing up, I always, you know, I saw that and always had that idea in my head of, of you know what, I want to do something that isn't just something that is a paycheck, but it's something that I enjoy doing. And again, most, a lot of people don't get that privilege to get to do something that they truly love. And so I said, that's going to be the most important thing for me is that I get to do something that I love. And in teaching, I found that I love teaching. I love teaching. 
But I also knew that sports were something that I loved. And if I was going to spend my time writing about something, particularly if it was on the side, it had to be something that I truly loved because that's the only way it wasn't going to feel like work. You see, I've had jobs in the past. I've done things where, and this is a lot of people, maybe this is you that I'm, that I'm describing here, where it's a different feeling. It's a different feeling if you're exhausted from doing a job that you hate compared to being exhausted from doing a job that you love and doing a job that, that really checks those boxes for you personally. For some people, for some people, the job that is perfect for them, the job that really gets them would be sitting at a desk crunching numbers, right? For some people, that would be, that's the dream. For other people, it's, I need to be outside. I need to be on the move all day. I want to talk to 500 people every single day, right? In person, I want to be out talking to people and walking around. For other people, that's a nightmare. Finding what it is that you truly love is key, at least to me. That was when I was looking at what is it that I want to do? That was the most important thing was finding something that wasn't going to give me that level of tired where you're tired and you don't enjoy what you do. You want to have that tired, but you feel good from what you're doing. You really love it. And again, I had that example from, from my dad and, and he did, you know, he worked that job for a long time that just didn't fit his skill set. And so you could tell he wasn't, you know, he was doing other stuff on the side that helped scratch that creative itch, but you could tell like where, where his talents were, wasn't really being utilized in the job that he was doing and he was good at it, but clearly it wasn't, wasn't satisfying. And I wanted to make sure that that wasn't what I did. I wanted to do something that, that I really enjoyed. And I, I took that concept and applied it to my writing. And so long story short, I decided to start writing basketball. And so long time ago, I started up my own blog and, um, I, for, I, I was covering like the Jeremy Lin season with the Lakers and you know, that's how long ago it was. And ultimately I got noticed using that. I used that. I, I did that for about six months or so just to prove to myself that I could do it consistently, that it wouldn't be like the novels that I was writing that where it just wouldn't hold my attention. I wanted to make sure before I presented myself to anyone else, even put anything out. I mean, I got like 10 readers, like nothing, right? No traffic. I just wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. And then I used that as a writing portfolio to go and pitch a few different sites and ultimately got picked up and caught the attention of Lakers Nation. And uh, they, I, I got brought on board with other people think I own Lakers Nation, which is not true. Um, but I got brought into Lakers Nation to originally write one article per week, one editorial per week. And it kind of grew from there, right? My role grew from there. For a little while, I was writing news pieces. Um, originally, I was writing editorials, and that was where I started. But I've never been, ironically, as here I am talking to tens of thousands of people, I've never been the most extroverted person. It's just not not really, if you've met me in person, you you know, I'm, I'm not the most outgoing extroverted person out there. I'm not like the life of the party or anything. That's not really my my personality. But, um, and, and so kind of throwing myself out there has been difficult, but because I truly love this, because I truly love talking about the Lakers, I love sports, I love being in this business, um, for whatever reason, those kind of, that self-doubt that can creep in 
when you're trying to, when, when it comes to putting yourself out there, I was able to, to push past that. And so I noticed there were a few different iterations of the Lakers Nation podcast that were attempted and never really got off the ground. And so I metaphorically raised my hand figuratively just said, hey, I'll try a podcast. Um, I'll, I'll give it a go. And I sold it like this. I just said, you will have to do nothing. I'll do all the, I'll, I'll learn it. I'll do all the editing. I'll do uh, all the recording. I'll, I'll set up the shows. I'll do, I'll do everything. You don't have to do anything. Just give me the platform. I'll do it. And um, I did a sample and literally to the, we just talked about it when the whole team was in Las Vegas, uh, how they still talk about how bad my first podcast was. And I didn't know, but they played it for the whole company for everybody that was working. They played it for everybody to listen to and like critique. And I had no idea they were going to do this and it was terrible. Oh my gosh. It was awful because your first time trying something, you tend to be pretty bad, Right. Um, and it was bad, but they said, you know what, we'll, we'll let you go with this and, uh, and just see where it leads to. And I said, okay. And I, I threw myself into it and said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to keep this going. And so the Lakers nation podcast was a once a week thing for a long time. And that eventually grew and grew and grew. And I remember hitting a point where, you know, over the years, again, this is, I've been doing this show for seven years now, I believe. I remember hitting a point where the show started to really pick up steam. And for a long time, it was thankless. And I just kept grinding because it was something that I loved. I never got discouraged by the number. It never even occurred to me to stop, to stop that. Oh, the numbers aren't that great. I'm just going to stop. That, for whatever reason, was never a thought in my head. It's because I loved doing what I was doing. And as the show grew, it required more and more attention. And my writing responsibilities had to diminish and diminish. At this point, I don't even really write anymore. Um, I just do do the, the audio and the video. And, and of course, the front office show now as well. But ultimately, I remember hitting a point where I was teaching and news was breaking and I was so frustrated. I was so frustrated because I was in the middle of, I used to, uh, I was in the middle of the third hour and a big story broke and I had nothing I could do. I was hours away from my lunch. And if you guys know anything about the sports world, you know anything about this business, one of the things that's, that's challenging is the shelf life is so short. So true. If I wanted to record a video about Teddy Roosevelt a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, people could watch that video and still get something from it. And it would still be relevant. If I want to record something on the Lakers sign, the Lakers do an extension with, with Anthony Davis. I record, let's say August 5th, the Lakers sign an extension with Anthony Davis. That's relevant for about 24 hours and then it's dead. That's the news cycle in sports. And so there's an urgency to get to stuff. And again, I remember very vividly, the story broke and I'm in the middle of class and there's nothing I could do about it. I used to occasionally between my class, I had four minutes in a passing period and I would take out my phone real quick and record a quick audio segment and put that out in between classes when I had, to, when I had an opportunity to do so. Other times I would do it at lunch. If I had a, you know, my 30 minute lunch break, I would do that really quick to get something out there. And as 
the this show grew and as Lakers Nation grew, I started to get more and more frustrated that I couldn't give it the full attention that it needed and do it the way that I knew I really needed to. That it was, I could talk, you know, I could do the show once a week. I'd have to do it in the evenings. I'd have to tell my guests and stuff, hey, I can only do it after seven o'clock Pacific time and stuff. And that's asking a lot of people to come on, especially after, you know, typical work hours. And, and so eventually it hit a point where I, it had grown so much that it was time to commit my full attention to it. And so I did. So I made that leap a few years ago and, uh, and left teaching and went full time to, to do this, to, uh, to give all my attention to, to Lakers nation and, and to the show and to, uh, the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, which took off once I could really, really pay all the attention to it that it deserved. And um, I can tell you this, it was a very difficult decision to make. It was a nerve-wracking decision because I knew I had a very, very steady job. I knew I had a, a, a school I was teaching at. I knew if I wanted to teach my entire career there, I, I could, that I could stay there and I would have a steady paycheck and health insurance and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, but this was was definitely calling me, and I I loved teaching, but it was time to do something else, and time to move on, and that frustration that I felt in not being able to do this the way that I wanted to do it, I knew that was what was pointing me in the right direction, and what was telling me that this was the right thing to do, and uh, it absolutely was. It absolutely. Looking back now, I can say that decision to to leave teaching behind and do this full time, uh, it was absolutely the the correct decision to to go for it. To kind of bet on myself. I didn't know exactly what this would look like, how much the channel would grow, how much the podcast would grow, if I gave it my full attention, and um, it grew more than I I could have hoped it would, and so I I was thrilled, absolutely thrilled, and still am, and, and still. Uh, amazed at all of this. And again, that's where ultimately I'll kind of wrap this up, but ultimately I don't get to do this without any of you, without all of you who watch this show, without all of you who listen to this show. I took a huge, huge leap personally for myself and for my family and, um, and it paid off and, and it's allowed me to do what it is that I love. Again, going back to that big picture idea of when I'm, when I'm tired from doing this, it's a damn good feeling. It feels great to do something, to be tired from doing something that you love doing. And I, I hope that comes through in my shows, in our coverage, that this isn't, this is a borderline obsession for, for me um, and, and for us at Lakers Nation to get to do this, to get to cover the team in this way, to get to uh, provide the attention to detail that we do here. So, that's really the story of, of how this all came about, of how the Lakers Nation podcast ultimately got to the level that it's at right now, uh, how the YouTube channel got to where, where it is. Um, it was a, a leap of faith, and, and it was just following what my gut was telling me, what my interests were really, really pulling me towards, and just going for it, and just going for it. So... That's the story. That's ultimately how this all came about, how I wound up kind of where I am doing what I'm doing, how I went from being a classroom teacher to um, to hosting this podcast that gets listened to by tens of thousands of people on a channel that gets viewed, I mean, by 
tens of millions every year. It's It blows me away when I think about how many people watch our shows, how many people listen to our shows. And again, I, I'm so, so thankful for all of you who, who watch the show, who listen to the show, and uh, who have made this journey possible and have made all the hard work uh, that we've put in worth it. So again, that's, that's how this all came to be. And uh, can't thank you all enough for all the support that you've given. It uh, truly means everything to me, to us at Lakers Nation. Absolutely, absolutely incredible stuff that um, lets us do what it is that we do. So again, thank you, everybody. We'll close up the show there. Make sure you are subscribing, of course, to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications. And again, over on that podcast side, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Uh, we'll do a live show tonight, Monday night. That'll come on at 8 o'clock Pacific time. We'll go live. We'll talk Lakers. You can ask questions, comments, all that kind of stuff. Tomorrow, I'll be over on AMP at noon Pacific time. So if you guys want to join me there, you can call into the show that way as well. So a lot coming up. But in the meantime, we're waiting to see, will the Lakers sign a center? Will they finally get it done? Christian Wood, make a decision already. But thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. Till next time, see you and stay safe.